Luke chapter 1, verse 26 through 38. So we got a new heading this week. We finished up uh, John the Baptist. Now we're at the birth of Christ. The birth of Christ. And you're actually going to have two separate headings called the birth of Christ. This one probably more the birth of Christ foretold. And the second one is the birth of Christ. But just it's fine just with the birth of Christ. The birth of Christ. Luke chapter 1 verse 26 through 38. Okay, Luke chapter 1 verse 26 says... And in the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God unto a city of Galilee named Nazareth to a virgin, a spouse to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David, and the virgin's name was Mary. And the angel came in unto her and said, Hail you that are highly favored. The Lord is with you. Blessed are you among women. And when she saw him, she was troubled at his saying, and cast in her mind what manner of salutation this should be. And the angel said unto her, Fear not, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you shall conceive in your womb, and bring forth a son, and shall call his name Jesus. He shall be great, and shall be called the Son of the Highest, and the Lord God shall give unto him the throne of his father David, and he shall reign over the house of Jacob forever. And of his kingdom there shall be no end. And then said Mary unto the angel, How shall this be, seeing I know not a man? And the angel answered and said unto her, The Holy Spirit shall come upon you, and the power of the highest shall overshadow you. Therefore also that holy thing which shall be born of you shall be called the Son of God. And behold, your cousin Elizabeth, she has also conceived a son in her old age, and this is the sixth month with her who is called barren. For with God nothing shall be impossible. And Mary said, Behold the handmaid of the Lord, be it unto me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. Okay, verse 26. And the sixth month, it says, and the sixth month. John the Baptist was six months older than Jesus. Luke is the only gospel other than Matthew which addresses the birth of Jesus. Only Luke gives us the announcement of that birth as well as details concerning the actual event. So Luke is the only gospel of the four that gives the information about the announcement of the birth of Christ. Matthew has the birth of Christ, but Luke is the only one that gives the account of the announcement uh, to Mary. The angel Gabriel was sent from God. Uh, that's what it says in, in verse 26. Uh, this is the story of the incarnation as prophesied by Isaiah in Isaiah chapter 7 verse 14 and Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6 through 7. Uh, the next part in verse 26 says, To a city of Galilee named Nazareth. Verse 27 says, To a virgin. Uh, you have this on your handout. It is the, uh, give me the definition. So a virgin, and then you have the Greek word there. It means, re refers to a pure virgin who has never known a man. And 
never experienced a marriage relationship. So Mary was never married before, and she had never known a man, which means that she never had sex. Thank you. <laughs> uh, in the Bible, that's actually the way that it's actually worded, is known. Mm-hmm. Adam knew Eve. Yeah. Yeah. So Mary never knew a man. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay, let me get this out of the way. <laughs> okay, the next word for I'll give you the now I'm gonna give you the Hebrew word, it's on your handout. The Hebrew word for virgin, you see it there. <laughs> Not gonna try to pronounce it. And it means the virgin, the definite definite article is there. The virgin, which means what? Singular. Only one. Right. Only the one. The only one that ever was or ever will be a mother in this way. There is no other woman that ever walked the earth or ever will walk the earth that will ever be a mother like Mary was. There are other mothers, but none that will be like Mary because Mary was a virgin who had a child that was 100% God and 100% man. Right. No one else has experienced that. <laughs> Alright, the next part in verse 27 says, espoused to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David. So Joseph was in the direct lineage of David through Solomon. Mary was also of the house of David, but through another of David's sons, which was Nathan. So Joseph was in the line of David through Solomon. Mary was in the line of David through Nathan. So both, to us it seems kind of weird, but they both came from the same ancestry. The same lot, the same tribe of Israel, both from Judah and both from the line of David. If the Davidic throne had continued, Joseph would now be king of Judah. Which is like, because it didn't continue, we just like, yeah, whatever, cool, is well, of course, yeah, he got ties to David. No, no, no. If it continued, Joseph would be on the throne. <laughs> yeah. Crazy. Like, yeah. You mean like the carpenter, Joseph? Yeah, Joseph the carpenter. If the if sin didn't happen in David's throne, his kingly line didn't stop because it stopped because sin. If it didn't stop, Joseph would be the king of Judah on the throne. And you would view him probably like you did David or Solomon. But instead, we just, oh yeah, Joseph, yeah, the son of the, you know, he was, you know, the father of Jesus. And he would have been king of Judah. And my guess is he probably would have been a righteous king. After all, he is the. 
he was chosen to be the father of the Messiah. <laughs> right. It just blows my mind that because it didn't play out that way. Yeah. But Joseph would have been the king of Judah, just like David was. We hold David. Nobody's holding Joseph up. It's yeah. <laughs> true. But Joseph would have been on the throne. He was royalty. Yeah. But yet, he, and you'll see it as it plays out, but he actually would have lived in poverty. But he was in the kingly line of David. Hmm. Why is all this important? Brother Tan Pastor. <laughs> the question that a Jew would ask concerning the Messiah would be, is he of the lineage of Abraham? And is he of the house of David? Because the scripture said he would be. He'd be from the lineage of Abraham and the house of David. So that would be the Number one question. <laughs> is he from the lineage of Abraham? You claim that this is the Messiah. Is he from the lineage of Abraham? And is he from the house of David? Because if he's not from the lineage of Abraham or the house of David, he can't be the Messiah. Well, you can check off both of those yeah. with Jesus. The next part that we'll see in verse uh, 27 is, And the virgin's name was Mary. So Mary was essential to harbor Jesus' developing human form for nine months. Mary was important because she acted as the vessel that harbored Jesus in his developing human form as a child, but we all for nine months she had absolutely nothing to do with his deity with his Godhead it had nothing to do with it she only was there for the human aspect she had nothing to do with his deity because he already was that's right. He already was. Before Mary ever was, Jesus was. That's right. Before Jesus said before Abraham. He was. I will. So if he was before Abraham, then that means he was before Mary. So Mary had nothing to do with his deity, but Mary had everything to do with his humanity. That's right. Mary was the mother of Jesus, the man. She was not by any stretch of the imagination the mother of God. That's right. Fundamentally, the worship of Mary originated with the worship of the Queen of Heaven, a pagan deity. The Roman Church, in altering its doctrines to conform to those formerly observed by conscripted pagan saw that it would be politically desirable 
to supply the populace with a satisfying parallel figure within their newly imposed Christian religion. Thus was Mary elevated to divine status. The pagans worshipped and believed in a mother and child. And it all started with Babylon. With Nimrod. It goes something like this. Nimrod, who actually went total opposite of the way of God, created his own society. Every How to function without God. That's pretty much what it was. Apart from God, how to function. Apart from God. Welcome to the worldly system. Yeah. How to function apart from God. Music apart from God. Does that sound similar? Well, it's still, it, it, nothing has changed. There's nothing new under the sun. Music apart from God. Worship apart from God. Livelihood apart from God. Everything without God. Nimrod actually basically married his mother. Mother, son. Get the picture? Mm -hmm. Mother, son. The queen, and she would have been referred to as the queen of she was like basically the picture for unbridled lust. Mother, son. The, the, the main thing you need to remember is mother, son. Mother, son. Queen of heaven, son. Okay. This was in Babylon. And Babylon was over the basically the world. At the, the known world at the time. So what happened was that belief just spread. So you had you got like basically the Tower of Babel. The Tower of Babel. And everything gets languages get all changed because everything it was it, we're talking, it's even it's even around then. We think of Babylon as like Babylon. Yeah. But it's it, it all started we started right, we started a long time ago. But Babylon, the Babylonian cult is probably the better name for it, a better idea, was that they had a worship of many things, but mother and son is the main thing. But every, every I'll say every, just about every, if not every single holiday that we celebrate as Christian comes from that. Babylon, Babylonian cult. Easter, Babylonian cult. Christmas, Babylonian. There's really nothing. Yeah. It's all from that. And what happened is, they just, because people were so used to it, they didn't depart from it very easily. So what happened was, they just said, well, let's just blend it together. And therefore, we have a mixture. Yeah. Because it wasn't celebrated before. No, no apostle in the early church celebrated Christmas. That's true. That's right. It was, it's all pagan. 
Now I'm not telling you that that's it because you know you just you got no shot <laughs> because we have. But I just want you to. I just it's you need to know that it's this is not it's not a Christian thing. Yeah. Right. Not a Christian thing. So I would advise you to not run around saying put Christ back in Christmas because it's pagan to begin with. <laughs> So he never really was in it. Yeah. It's just pagan. And we just kind of, because we just want to adapt it all in. It's just make it easy. Right. Easy transitions. We love easy transitions. So Babylon didn't go away. The image of mother and child have been a primary object of Babylonian worship centuries before the birth of Christ. From Babylon, this spread to the ends of the earth. The original mother figure in this image was, uh, I'm not really sure how to say this name, but this is basically the one I was talking about, the Nimrod. And, anyway, the name is spelled S-E-M-I-R-A-M-I-S. Semiramis? The personification of unbridled lust and sexual gratification. That is what she stood for, basically. So early Roman Catholic missionaries were stunned to find counterparts of the Madonna, which would be the uh, Italian name for the Virgin Mary, and her child being worshipped as devotedly as in Rome itself. They were missionaries traveling other places to share what? Catholicism. And they found the same thing. And they were stunned. Xing hmm. Mu, the mother of China, is represented with child in arms and with halo around her head. Exactly as if she had been painted by a Roman Catholic painter. Wow. They're going to share Catholicism. And they roll up into this place. And they already got the same thing. And they're stunned. First of all, they would be stunned because after all, if you're a Roman, you're it, baby. Yeah. <laughs> so it would already be like, we're the most advanced people in the world. So that would already be a shell shock. Mm -hmm. But it would be very shocking. And the reason behind it is because these nations all trace their common worship from Babylon. Mm. That's why it existed all over the place. And not just China. It's actually everywhere. Because it all stems from Babylon. Because we were all once together. And then the Lord dispersed us with different languages. Then you see the spread. Well, how can, how can the same stuff be found? Because you once all had the same language. And then different languages. Which means it still went right. with you. Your the problem is now you just makes it hard to communicate one to another. So you see the same thing all over the place. Why? Because it originated in Babylon. And so basically parts of Babylon went with it. Yeah. Everywhere. 
Babylon spread, honestly, just like Christianity. Mm-hmm. Except it's a false. It's, it's literally anti-Christ, mm-hmm. anti-God. It's total opposite. Doctrines that view Mary as a co-savior or co-mediator with Christ are gross error and false doctrine. It is a direct attack against the person and work of Christ. It says that Christ couldn't do it. Christ needed help. He didn't need no help, honey. He is God manifest in the flesh. But that doctrine is a direct attack upon the person of Christ and the work of Christ. That what Christ did isn't really enough. Baloney. It's a lie. It's false doctrine. And it's from Satan. 1 Timothy chapter 4 verse 1 through 3 says, Now the Spirit speaketh expressingly that in the latter times some shall depart from the faith giving heed to seducing spirits. Seducing spirits. They will seduce. That's why it gets you. Seducing spirits. And doctrines of devils. Speaking lies and hypocrisy. Having their conscience seared with the hot iron. Forbidding to marry. M-A-R-R-Y, Mary, forbidding to marry, and commanding to abstain from meats, which God hath created to be received with thanksgiving of them which believe and know the truth. If you grew up in Catholicism, there are definitely parts about that passage I just read. Yeah, right. That jump out to you. Now it does not mean that it is solely for Catholicism. Mm-hmm. Try not to focus on one single religion. Yeah. And focus more on the law that's being applied. That is not, you know, it's unnecessary. Colossians chapter 2 verse 16 through 23. Let no man therefore judge you in meat or in drink or in respect of a holy day or of the new moon or of the Sabbath days. Let no man judge you. You do not have to observe them. Kind of what Paul's saying. Which are a shadow of things to come. It's only a shadow. But the body is of Christ. Let no man, verse 18, let no man beguile you of your reward. Let no man rob from you your reward. Which is what we have in Christ. That's our reward. Let no man rob from you what you have in Christ. Well, how will that happen? In a voluntary humility. That's basically just self-abasement. Voluntary humility, self-abasement. I go without. (laughs) 
Let no man steal from you what you have in Christ in a voluntary humility, in self-abasement. And worshiping of angels. That's a Gnostic teaching. Basically, the Gnostic teaching was that man could not go directly to God. They needed to go through us. And it sounds what? Humble. Voluntary humility. Kind of get the picture of both of them together. Voluntary humility. I'm so humble. I'm so lowly. I can't go directly to God because I'm so... that I've got to go through a, another means. There has to be processes to get to God because He's so great and we're so little. Right. Voluntary humility. Yeah. If you go that route, you've already allowed them to rob from you what you have in Christ. You have a direct line to God Himself because Jesus is the mediator who's paid the price. The entire price yes. that you have access to the throne room of heaven yes. that you can walk right in. Yes. In the presence of God. Yes. In myself, you're right. But in Christ, I have total access into the throne room of heaven. I don't need an alternate route. I've got a direct line through Jesus. The veil was rent. The veil was Intruding into those things which he has not seen, which basically just refers to going outside of the Word of God. Vainly puffed up in his fleshly mind. Because it's, it's, it's not the way of the Spirit, it's of the flesh. It's not scriptural, it's of the flesh. It appeals to the flesh. And not holding the head, which is Christ, from which all the body, by joints and bands, having nourishment, ministered, and knit together increase with the increase of God. You did you, you, you detach from the head, you die. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> you detach from Christ, you die. Wherefore, if you be dead with Christ, wherefore, if you be dead with Christ, are you dead with Christ? Where did that happen? Calvary. Wherefore, if you be dead with Christ, if you believed upon Him, when He died, you died. Because you're baptized into Christ. So therefore, if you be dead with Christ from the rudiments of the world. You're dead to it. Right. Yeah. And you see, that's why I said before, if all that you know about the cross is that Jesus died for you and he shed his blood, you can have your sins forgiven. You know as much as a newborn yeah. sinner. A new, but you're a babe. If that's all you know, you've never grown up in the faith. You, you're still on milk. And you can 
Hear me now. You're going to have to really listen to this. You can hold on to that all you want. And you need to. But you will not grow. Because there's so much more that happened. What Christ did gives us the way to victory from the world, the flesh, the devil, sin, the sin nature, all of it is so much. If all you know is that He died, shed His blood for you, you know as much as someone who just got saved. But if you don't know that when Christ died, you died. Which means you're dead to the law. You're dead to the rudiments of the world. You're dead to the flesh. The world, the flesh. You're, you're dead to it. You have been crucified with Christ. You're dead to the sin nature which was in you. We all have a sin nature, but in Christ, you've died to it. It's not gone. It's still there, but you're dead to it. You don't have to obey it because you died to it. It did not die. You died to it. So when it comes knocking, you don't have to answer. Because you're dead. You've been freed from that slave master. So when the slave master says, do this, you don't owe me, baby! Because in Christ, I've been delivered. In Christ, I've been delivered. In Christ Jesus, I've died. It's good to be dead. <laughs> like this chair said, you just die, you'll be dancing on your coffin. <laughs> dead to the rudiments of the world, the way of the world, the worldly system, you're dead to it. Well, you got to have this to survive. You are dead to the worldly system. Doesn't mean you don't work. But your livelihood doesn't depend on work. Your livelihood depends on Christ. Christ will provide the work. It's different. My job does not dictate the direction of my life. Christ dictates the direction of my life. He'll provide the job that fits in it. Right. And I love my job. But my job doesn't dictate my life. Right. Okay. Don't be big enough, Mom. <laughs> <laughs> This is God. I mean, <laughs> if your job takes over your whole life, you live in in the world, the worldly system, where it's all about you. Definitely in America, the American dream. It's all about you. Well, I got to work seven days a week. Well, why you got to do that? Well, that's just a job. Well, 
let me ask you this. What do you need more? The job of Christ? Mm. Yeah. Maybe you think you need the job more. Come on. But the truth is, you need Christ more. Yes. Yeah. That's the good news. Yeah. It doesn't seem like it at first, but the good news is, is that you, it's a freedom like you have never known before. I'm dead to the rudiments of the world. Let's just keep, let's just keep going. Let's just keep going. Why as though living in the world are you subject to ordinances? Touch not, taste not, handle not. You can't touch this. You can't eat this. You can't have this. Why, as though living in the world, do you put yourself under the subjection of ordinances, even though in Christ you've died to it? Because that doesn't matter. It doesn't matter now. This is so hard for us to untrain ourselves. Because... The way that we're raised is do this, get rewarded. Yeah. Do this, get punishment. <laughs> law. Yeah. That's the way that we we naturally go towards law. Do this, get punished. Don't do this, get rewarded. Break the speed limit, get a ticket. <laughs> Break the speed limit enough, go to jail. <laughs> <laughs> When I growing up as a kid, do good in school, get rewarded. That's right. That's right. Do bad in school, get beat. Follow me, though. Follow me, though. Follow me. This is this is, and I'm not. I'm not. I'm not telling you that. Do good in school, son. <laughs> <laughs> what I'm saying is, that I'm, I want you to really think now. The problem is, is that we carry that mindset over into right. That's right. Yeah, that is true. Yeah, mm-hmm. With the Lord, yeah, we get saved. Praise God. Yeah. It, right, after we get saved, it has nothing to do with what we do or do not do. Let's just be honest. Right when you first get saved, you're so wrapped up in Christ, you're not even noticing what you're doing or not doing. It's all about Jesus. And how you love Jesus. And I can't believe Jesus died for me. Thank you that you died for me, Jesus. That's all your whole world is about for like a month. (laughs) And then it goes away and then we tell people, well, that's just the reality of it. Uh, Can can I just be just real honest with you? It might hurt. Praise God that Fred Newborn, you know, they all amped up, boy, they jacked up. They, they just, man, they just happy, just so happy. And we, praise God, praise God. Let's see how they do in a month. <laughs> Let's see. They on that high right now, it's going to come down. It's terrible. Yeah, but maybe, maybe the way that, what they have right now is because their faith is right. Yeah. And actually, God's plan is that your faith remain right. So if your faith remains right, you have the help of the Holy Spirit in your daily life. That, that's why 
That's why when you first got saved, you felt that strong moving and operation of the Holy Spirit with you on a daily basis because your faith was in Christ. Yeah. And it stopped when your faith moved to something else. And we say, well, that's just normal. No, baby, your faith is wrong. What you are doing is frustrating the grace of God. He always has it there for you. You lose it. You forfeit it. You frustrate it because your faith moved. And we say, well, that's just normal Christianity. No, it's wrong. You're wrong. That's not what God has for His children. He's got it the whole time. You just keep your faith right. In what Christ has done. Not what I do or do not do. The problem is that we have a mindset of law that says it matters what I do or do not do. And we are we hold so tightly that we do not want to let it go. And the moment we think that it's going to go to the crazy side of things, where you're just saying we can live whatever way we want to live. Lord, God forbid. We've been over this in Romans. God forbid. You don't understand the grace of God if you think that. Because if you keep your faith right, you're not really thinking about what you should or shouldn't do. The only thing you're thinking about is everything that He's done for you. And when you do that, you're going to have the help of the Holy Spirit, which you'll find that you do right. Right. That is true. And you don't have to focus on it or think about it. And then if you do happen to blow it, not if. When you do happen to blow it, you're not knocked down and knocked out for a, a week. Thinking I've got a week for about 15 hours straight so the Lord knows I'm sorry. And I don't have to change my whole life up. In order to gain his favor back. You have it already in Christ. You never lost it in Christ. He knew you were going to blow it. He knew you were going to buy off a big, big piece of stupid. That newsflash. You're not going to be perfect. He already knows that. The problem is we don't. So when we blow it, we instantly gravitate back to law. Which when you do that, the sin nature revives. You don't have the help of the Holy Spirit. And we just fall right under it. We just fall right into it. Because we don't realize that we are dead in Christ. We say it and we say, yeah, I believe that. But we don't actually believe it. The problem is a faith problem. Yeah. I believe, but help my unbelief. The prayer of every born-again believer. I believe, but help my unbelief. We're never mature as we think we are. We're never so far in our faith that well, we think we are until a storm comes and then we see how far we really are. <laughs> Which is not very far. <laughs> Not very mature as I thought I was. And I find that I'm still holding to the rudiments of the world and I'm putting myself in subject to ordinances. Touch not, taste not, handle not. You can't do this. You can't do that. Don't do this. 
You can't wear pants if you're a girl. You can't cut your hair if you're a girl. You can't have short hair if you're a girl. You can't wear pants. You gotta wear a dress. You gotta cover your ankles. You can't wear jewelry. You can't wear makeup because if you do that, you're not holy. Why? 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 Are you subject to ordinances when you're dead to the rudiments of the world in Christ? Because ordinances are rudiments of the world. So, don't be subject. You, you don't have to. You're, you're, you've been crucified in Christ. You're dead to it. Live dead. Live <laughs> dead. <laughs> Which things, oh, I'm sorry, I'm, I'm, verse 22, I'm still in Colossians, verse 22, which are all to perish with the using. Whatever you eat is going to perish. It has no effect on the soul. It has no effect on the spirit. Jesus said it goes into the body and out of the body. We don't need a lesson on the digestive system. <laughs> <laughs> It goes in the body, out of the body. It has no bearing on the spirit. In the body, out of the body. Don't care what you eat. In the body, out of the body. And therefore, what does it matter what you eat or do not eat? I'm talking about spirit. I'm not talking about physical health. Yeah. That more matters. <laughs> Spiritually, you're walk with the Lord. Does it matter what you do or do not eat? Spiritually. Mm -hmm. yeah. 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 I'm talking about food here. Not, oh, don't, yeah. Yeah. No. Don't about food. You said spiritually. We've spiritually. Does it doesn't matter what you eat food wise no. to the spirit man. No. We're good to I know. That's your Yeah, it'll fade. My perspective is but spiritually, it has no effect on your growth. Spiritually, it has no effect on you spiritually whatsoever. What kind of clothes you wear, does that affect your spirituality? No. Your, your walk with the Lord? No. No. Whether you have long hair or short hair? No. Well, why do you? See what? Yeah. Yeah. Which are all to perish with the using after the commandments and doctrines of many. My dad's talking about this on Wednesdays. Right? Wednesdays, yeah. Doctrines of men. Not God. Of men. And we fall under doctrines of men and we follow them. And it's bondage. Which things have indeed a show of wisdom in will worship. This refers to worship devised and prescribed by man. Not God. Will worship. And it seems so right to us, but it's so wrong to God. We so easily fool. Because if something looks holy, we accept it. 
But God sometimes views it as will worship. Doctrines and commandments of men. Which things have indeed a show of wisdom and will worship and humility. And neglecting of the body. Not in any honor to the satisfying of the flesh. All of those things don't help you with the flesh one bit. It actually plays right into the flesh. It is the flesh. I've got to crucify the flesh, so I need to fast. No, you're actually following the flesh if you go that route. That's not God's way. God's way is Calvary. Flesh is crucified by faith. Faith in what Christ has done. That when, oh, how do we have victory over the flesh? Okay, repeat this with me. I have been crucified with Christ. I have been crucified with Christ. When Christ died, I died. His death is my death. His burial is my burial. His resurrection is my resurrection. So, guess where you were crucified to the flesh? Calvary. <laughs> Faster. No, no, no. Calvary. Something biblical that pulls you away from... And we grab a hold to it because after all, there's enough in it. Just put something that's in the Bible and we'll grab it. Absolutely. Oh, yeah, that makes sense because it makes sense to the flesh. To our earthly mind. Oh, yeah, that's it. That's... But it's totally opposite from God and it actually goes against God's way. And instead of victory, you're going to find a revived sin nature. Yeah. Mm -hmm. The total opposite of what you're longing for, you're going to find. Yeah. And you'll be stuck in Romans chapter 7, not yeah. understanding why you're doing the things that you don't want to do. Sin will be manifesting itself in your life, not just a little bit, but a lot. Because now the sin nature is dominating you like a king. And you have to obey it. Because you've turned away, put your faith in something other than the only thing that will work, which is what Christ has done. Faith in Christ makes the younger brother rule over the elder brother. Sin nature, divine nature. Faith in anything but Christ puts the elder brother ruling over the younger. Verse, let's get back to this. Verse 28. Uh, not in Colossians, in Luke. Luke, uh, verse 28. Uh, is everybody back there? Luke? Uh, Luke? Yep. Okay. Verse 28 says, Hail thou that are highly favored. Highly favored means much in grace. It does not say full of grace. Mary had nothing, did nothing, became nothing in order to receive this favor from God. It was of His grace, which means it is a free gift. Now that is good news. 
Because what's true for Mary can be true for you. Mary had nothing special about her. It was just God's grace. The only thing special is God's grace. Maybe no one's as messed up as me, but that's good news. That His grace is so great. I've, I've said it before, and I just love saying it. I love that. Trophy, a trophy of His grace. The next part of verse 28. The Lord is with thee. Mary was in a position of humility. She was. Mary was in a position of humility. <laughs> Mary was not horrible. I don't want you to think that Mary is just like, oh, no, 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 no. Mary had humility. The next part of verse 28, blessed, blessed are thou among women. Not blessed, blessed. Yeah. does not say above women, it says among women. Out of all the countless women born into this world, she was chosen by God to be the earthly mother of Christ. Wow. No other woman will ever operate in that role. That's amazing. Right. And it's at a point there. Yeah. The Lord is looking is in, in any case, in any situation where he's looking for a vessel to work and use. Mary is no different than anybody else whom God right. used. That's right. He was looking for a willing vessel. Mm -hmm. Somebody who would who would actually be willing to say, yes, Lord, that's what we need. That's, that's the place of humility is that we're willing to say, yes, Lord, uh, and submit to that because, and as I know that Taryn will probably go, it was no small thing that she was being presented with uh, without being, if, if she was not a humble person in that sense, she wasn't in the place of humility, it would have been like, mm, I'm not, yeah, this is, this is a lot to take in. So, yeah. And so that, that, that place of humility that she was in, that's really all that, that the Lord ever needs of us to work through us and whatever he wants to do through us is that humility, not our, our own righteousness, but the humility to just allow him to do what he wants to, you know. Go ahead, sir. Uh, God was full of grace, not merit. God is always full of grace. Verse 29. Uh, Verse 29, and when she saw him, she was troubled at his saying and cast in her mind what manner of salutation this should be. His glorious appearance startled Mary and as well the manner in which he addressed her. Mary in no way understood why he addressed her the way that he did. Verse, verse 30, thou hast found favor with God. Should have been translated, thou hast received grace from God. The grace was in God, not Mary. She was the unworthy object of that grace. We all are the unworthy objects of God's grace. And I'm so glad, so thankful that 
He is full of grace. Verse 31. Uh, verse 31 proclaims the incarnation. God manifest in the flesh. It says, and he and, and shall call his name Jesus. Betrays the Greek version of the Hebrew word uh, Joshua. Or, yeah. Yahweh, actually, you pronounce it different, but the way it's spelled in the Hebrew is J O H O S H U A. Still Joshua, but it's a little different. Or Joshua, so there's you. It means Savior or the salvation of Jehovah. Gabriel told Zechariah to name his son John, which means God gives grace. Now the angel tells Mary what to name her son. Jesus is the promised grace. Gabriel told Zechariah, with Zechariah and Elizabeth, the parents of John. Gabriel told Zechariah to name his son John, which the name John, remember, means God gives grace. And then the same angel tells Mary, name your son, Jesus. And Jesus means the salvation of Jehovah, Savior. Name your son, John, which means God gives grace. Name your son, Jesus, which means Savior. The grace that God was going to give was Jesus. Okay. Yeah. Mm. Verse 32, son of the highest means the most high and refers to Jehovah. And the Lord God shall give unto him the throne of his father David. That's what it says in verse 32. Places Mary in the royal lineage as suggested in Luke chapter 3 verse 23. This would be the fulfillment of that which was given to David by the Lord in 2 Samuel chapter 7. That your line will have no end. Yeah. David, it's not going to end, David. You're going to be on the throne forever. Yeah. Your line will be on the throne forever. Oh, so it, but, but it didn't happen. Oh, yes, it did. Because Jesus mm -hmm. came from the line of right. David. And what I do know is that Jesus will reign for, let me think, forever. <laughs> <laughs> Verse 34, Mary, oh, I don't know let's read 34. Then said Mary unto the angel, how shall this be, seeing I know not a man? Now, what you do not see is unbelief right here. Right. Mm -hmm. This is not unbelief on Mary's part. You know, people say, don't ask God why. Mary did it. Yeah. Don't ask God how. Mary did it. The problem was, if you ask him with unbelief, she didn't. Right. She had a legitimate question. Yeah. Right. Yeah. How, how am I going to be yeah. with the child if I've never even known a man? Yeah. <laughs> I tell you, that's a pretty legitimate question. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, that unbelief, God, 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 uh, uh, he operates and specializes in the impossible. So that's unbelief. You just got to believe and trust. Okay. <laughs> Obviously, you're not a female, so you don't know how that works. Any female would 
think that is what? How? Yeah. She didn't say it's not possible. She said, how? How? How did that work? How could that even work, man? I'm so thankful that the Lord is not. He's fine. Now that it's just the Lord, say what? Say what? Mary simply inquires about the method. Mary believed, even though she didn't understand how. Yeah. Verse 35. The answer comes. The Holy Ghost shall come upon thee. Has the same, this has the same connotation as Genesis chapter 1, verse 2, when it says, And the Spirit of God moved upon the waters. Hmm. The next part of verse 35 says, And the power of the highest shall overshadow thee. This has the same reference as uh, in Genesis chapter 1 verse 3, And God said, Let there be light, and there was light. This constitutes the incarnation, God becoming man, 100% God and 100% man. God laid down, sorry, Jesus laid down, laid aside the expression of his deity. He had it always, but he laid it aside. He didn't express it, but it didn't mean it wasn't there. He just didn't express it. The loss of the expression of his deity was so complete with his humanity so obvious that his fellow townspeople simply thought it absurd that he could be the Messiah. Remember, we talk about 100% God, 100% man. Jesus, 100% God. He is deity. And he laid aside the expression of that deity. And it was so complete. He laid it aside so complete, so fully, that his fellow townspeople, where he grew up, said, how is this person going to be the Messiah? You talking about the carpenter's son? Because there was no expression of his deity, and you don't see it until the Mount of Transfiguration. Which shows me that he always had possession of his deity. Because like that, he took the deity that was within and expressed it. That's why he told them, some of you are not going to die before you see the kingdom of heaven. And then right after that, what happened? Mount of Transfiguration, where his deity, which he laid down, he didn't express, now all of a sudden he picks it up and expresses it on the outside, and it said that he shone like the whitest white that all the bleach couldn't in the world couldn't even make anything that white. That's how white he was. That was him expressing his deity. That he is truly God. That's right. But that's the only time you see it. Mm-hmm. Mm. And it was so complete that his fellow townspeople 
thought people were crazy they could be the Messiah for that carpenter's son. That little kid, we seen him grow up. <laughs> what good can come out of that? Well, yeah, yeah, yeah. we seen him grow up. Yeah. That carpenter's son? <laughs> Please. <laughs> he, he can't be the Messiah. Heaven came down. Yeah. Heaven came down. Verse 36 and 37. No doubt this encouraged the faith of Mary. Gabriel mentions the fact that Elizabeth had been barren. It is said in order to proclaim the power of God knows no limitations. So what happened with Elizabeth, Gabriel used what happened with Elizabeth to encourage Mary. What a great example of a testimony. Just, Mary, we're just going to encourage your faith a little bit. Your cousin, Elizabeth, who was barren, is now... See, what happens in your, what God truly does in your life is meant to be a testimony to encourage the yeah. faith of others. Right, right. We have to be... We have to be a little brave and willing to allow God to use us like he did Elizabeth right here. Even though Elizabeth wasn't there, the angel Gabriel relayed the story to encourage Mary's faith. Mm. I'm talking about a real, a real testimony here, not about uh, some, that's not, I've heard some strange testimony. They're not really testimony. They're just, I don't know what they are, but they're not testimony. But this, I mean, I'm talking about a genuine testimony. And it was used by God to encourage Mary. God only used your testimony, a testimony for you to encourage another brother or sister in the Lord. Amen. 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 Verse 38. And Mary said, Behold the handmaid of the Lord. This beautifully portrays the humility of Mary. Be it unto me according to thy word. Mary gives consent and expresses faith. This is a wonderful... Mary basically just said, Thy will be done. Right. Mm -hmm. yeah. Yeah. Thy will be done. I'm not even going to try to get through the next part. Is there any comments, anything? Uh... You were talking earlier about the... Uh, oh. I'm trying to remember the way you described it. It's a humility, but not a... Not the humility that Mary expressed, but that religious... Oh, in Colossians. Yeah, what were you... How did you describe that? It is, it, is a, it is viewed as a false humility. But, uh, yeah. Um, Nevertheless, you were talking specifically about how you know someone was self-abased, or uh, or even in, in the way of the mediator. I, I cannot go directly to God. 
uh, and that it seems that seems pious. It mm. seems holy. It seems it seems it looks like humility, mm. but it's not because you're actually what it is is a rejection of what has actually been offered to you. You have we have been given the uh, the, the way to get to to God, which is through Christ. We don't have to go anywhere else. And to go somewhere else in some kind of false or fake humility by saying, well, I'm not really, I don't feel like I'm worthy to go directly to Jesus, so I, I'm going to have to go through another, whether that go through angel, go through uh, saints, or through, try to go through Mary, or in a, in, in a more practical way, try to go through someone else who is yeah. a believer yeah. and say, well, you know, I need you to pray for me because... Yeah. And what they literally mean sometimes, not just pray with me, or pray, they mean you go to God for me because I am not worthy. And that's what, and if anybody ever comes and tells us that, that, hey, I need you to go to God for me. Now, there's nothing wrong with interceding for people's situations and everything. But if the mindset, if we have the mindset that I am not worthy to go to God in the way that he has offered, providing that we understand that, <coughs> then the first thing that we need to get right with them is that, no, no, it's not about your worthiness. As a matter of fact, if you were worthy, then there would you would need no mediator. Yeah, right. We need the mediator who is Christ because we're not worthy. So nobody qualifies for worthiness. We all have to, we all come in the same way. And, uh, and so I, I was thinking about that because I get that a lot as a pastor. You know, somebody says, well, you... You have, you know you know how to get to God before I do. Yeah. You know, I said, No, no. Do you know Christ? Have you been born again? I've been washed in the blood. I know Christ. Yes. But you've got a hotline. I, I mean I get words like this, you know, and I always have to express. Now the the, the danger of it as, as as a minister or anybody can be is that pride can creep up yeah. in you and you think yeah, that's right. They need me. Uh, but if we do that, we are actually putting ourselves in the place of what we say is not right. The saints and the people going to Mary and people going to that. We don't have to do it. Don't let people go through you either. Yeah. Show them the right way and bring, let them learn how to go to Christ. Because if we, that is a way that is equal on it. It, 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 it is not. It covers everyone. Everyone can go through the same way, because not everybody can go through these all these other ways. So if everybody can go through Christ, that brings everything on equal ground. And so it's not about our worthiness or unworthiness or or anything like that. It's about only what He has has done. But um, so that was good. Uh, that that was really good that you brought that out. It's, it's a false humility. It's not really holy, being holy at all to say, oh, I'm not worthy to go, so I'll just go through another mediator. There is no other mediator. That happened to me this week. A Mexican guy called me, going through some stuff, and he said, uh, I know you're closer to God than I am. He said, would you pray for him? Right. I said, no. I said, you need to pray. Yeah, right. You need to reach out to him. Mm -hmm. Right. And so he actually... You know, I'll, I'll pray intercede for him. You know, I won't pray in your place. I'll pray with you, and I'll believe yeah. with you yeah. for you. Yeah. But I'm not. I can't be yeah. your mediator, right? Exactly. Yeah.
think the the biggest problem, which normally a problem for a lot of stuff that we have, but we don't really understand humility. Yeah. Just like, well, what's the problem with faith? We don't really understand biblical faith. Yeah. Because we just it's been taught so many different ways. Yeah. Right. We don't really understand biblical humility. Yeah. We can spat out the definition for humility. And we can even say what we think it looks like. But biblical humility is submitting to God. Biblical humility is that. Submitting to God. God's way. When are you prideful? When you don't go God's way. What was the chief sin of Satan? Pride. What did that look like? I don't want to go God's way. The, so, the humility problem the kind of opposites, right? Mm -hmm. Humility doesn't look like, oh, poor me. Like, well, you know. mm -hmm. That's not humility. Humility, you know that you can be confident and humble? Yes. Yes. Mm -hmm. We don't always think that. <laughs> that I can have the confidence and the boldness and be humble. Right. Like, well, he just kind of, he, he just, he just tell you strong. Brother Tam Pastor, you just say it strong sometimes. Like, you know, like you think you just hot stuff. <laughs> Pride. <laughs> no, no. I just know that it's the truth. I know what God's called me to. And I'm humble because I say, Lord, I'll go your way. And if something doesn't line up with his way, yeah, I'm going to say something about it. Am I prideful? Actually, in the vision, of, in the vision, in the eyes of the Lord, I'm humble because I'm going his way. That's where we just get so confused with the, but humble, humility, this is what it looks like. Biblical humility says, God, I'll go your way. Mary was humble because she said, Lord, your way. Your, let your will be done. Yeah. Let your let your will be done. I'm I'm I belong to you. Let your handmaiden. I'm your handmaiden. Let your will be done, Lord. True humility. God, I'll go your way. Pride, God, I'm going my way. And we say, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, no, no. God, I'm not going the way that you set things up to work. I'm not going the way of the cross. I'm going to have my own salvation plan. I'm going to have my own sanctification plan. See, now we really... Yeah. See, that's pride. I'm going to go... I'm, I have my own way of victory. I have my own way of overcoming this sin. We don't say that. But if you're not going God's way, which is faith in Christ, that's exactly what you're saying. Yeah. Right. And it doesn't matter how religious you dress it up and make it, you're prideful. You can act humble, say all the things that us as human beings think is humble. Well, he just doesn't think very highly of himself. If you're not going God's way, you are full of pride. You could think that you 
are a worm and still be prideful. Because it, pride and humility has more to do with God. You can be full of pride and look like the most humble person in the world and you're full of pride because you refuse to go God's way. Yes. So most of us don't really understand really humility very well. We think it's just being a certain thing. No, it's submitting to a certain thing. God and His salvation plan. His plan for sanctification. In the Garden of Eden, they had, they could eat of all, you know, very much everything except for the one tree, right? Okay. But the two trees that we know that really stick out is the tree of life and the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. It said, don't eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Notice that there are two sides to that tree. Good and evil. When they ate of that, they sinned. And the next thing that he said was, they got to go out of the garden. Right. Unless they eat of the tree of life. Tree of life. Can you take a guess on who the tree of what the who the tree of life represents? Christ. Christ. They had it right there. Christ. Wow. But they chose knowledge, wisdom. We do the same, we do the same thing. Right now. You got the tree of life, Jesus. And you got the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Good being what we consider good. Knowledge of good and evil. What's right? There's good and bad. Good. Guess what religion falls? What we consider the good side of the tree. Clean myself up. Self-improvement. That's on the good side of the tree. Yeah. Religion. It's on the good side of the tree. And we're not ready to throw that part of the tree out. Most of the time, I mean, if, 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 if it could play out this way, you wouldn't be reaching for the fruit that said evil on it. Yeah, yeah really. <laughs> You'd be reaching for the one that said good. But either one, if you can follow me here, you can't have the tree of life then. Right. That's right. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. Right. That's good. That's good. If we can face with the same thing, yeah. you can. You can have the, you can go this way if you want, which really the way of the world is that that's it. Knowledge, wisdom, yes. understanding. I'm not saying technology is bad, but technology. Everything goes in the man's wisdom, man's understanding. Look how smart we are. Look how great we are. Look at all of our technological advances. Look what we can do. Sooner or later we're gonna be able to be cancer and sooner or later we'll be able to do this and do that and do let me let you know where that eventually heads to and sooner or later that God cannot be real if we can do it that's it all. Yeah. that's true see that that's where it goes to yeah. well you've seen all the different things we'll, we'll just create our we'll just stem cell yeah. We can actually just create a human being. 
We can clone. We can. There's all kind of different things. Look how smart we are. It's like a modern day Tower of Babel. Where eventually life without God can really be possible. So we think. Now, it'll never get there. Yeah, that's true. But can you see? I'm sorry that I hollered through that was loud. But yeah, you scared us. <laughs> scared everybody. Only <laughs> 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 But that's. You can't have both. 